0: Welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco Sunday Morning Worship Service Podcast. For more information or downloads of previous audio services, go to uusf.org. While you're there, check out our monthly newsletter, Weekly Flame, and
1: much, much more.
0: I don't know how many of you know, but Fred Rogers was a minister, Presbyterian, a bona fide seminary graduate, but with a very unusual calling, one that was strange and wondrous, to create meaningful television programming for children. Tom Junod the real name of the fictional journalist who's portrayed in the movie A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood that 2019 movie about Mr Rogers he said of Mr Rogers quote he considered the space between the television set and the eyes of his audience sacred Fred Rogers also had very specific goals about how he entered into that sacred territory and what work and ministry he believed needed to happen there. Famously, Fred Rogers once testified before Congress when funding for the nascent reality of public television was up for crippling budget cuts. The footage is well known. Probably some of you have seen it. The hearing was headed by this hard nosed senator who was, it seemed, particularly disinclined to maintain the funding and who melted, I think it's safe to say, under the peculiar gentleness and straightforwardness and unself consciousness of Fred Rogers. When asked what he did on the show, Rogers said, among other things, that he wanted kids to know that feelings were mentionable. And once things were mentionable, he thought they were manageable. If he had a theme, one for sure was that kids needed to know that feelings were important and acceptable and that we had the power over what we did with them. In the end, the senator who admitted to having goosebumps said, I think it's wonderful. Looks like you just earned yourself the $20 million. <laughs> and public television was funded. Fred Rogers was not very open about his own childhood. But as a kid, he did say that his family didn't make much room for feelings, especially the hard ones. Those who worked on the show observed that even as an adult, Fred Rogers seemed better able to express his feelings through puppets, particularly the tiger puppet, Daniel, than he could directly as himself. And the real-life children of Mr. Rogers? They said in a documentary about their father that when he was going to say something, as they put it, very un-Mr. Rogers-y, At home, he would use the puppet Lady Elaine's voice. That's when they knew he meant business. (laughs) Growing up, I'm pretty sure from stories that I've heard that not all of your feelings were respected all of the time. And for most of us, that level of parenting was still a huge step forward from what our parents reported about how their feelings were treated or respected. I mean, it wasn't so far back that children were supposedly made to be seen and not heard. So progress takes time. Yet to Mr. Rogers's point, it's funny, I think, how you and I still remember times when our feelings weren't respected, how that experience of not being heard, of having what you felt discounted or doubted sticks with you, how it teaches us, subtly or not so subtly, to distrust ourselves, to feel bad about hard feelings, wrong for having them. But they're just feelings, right? It's what we do with them that matters, Mr. Rogers used to say. Of course, some emotional regulation is key to growing up. If you and I are in a grumpy mood, learning to set that aside and fake some good cheer at our best friend's birthday party, well, it's kind and humane, right? It's a good life skill to have. It's A little bit of what living the golden rule can look like, I'd even say. We are, after all, all of us, we're parts of a community of competing emotional needs. And sometimes what you do with your feelings is about choosing to do your part for the greater good of the whole or to care for someone else. But so is learning to listen to ourselves and to attend to our inner life. A child stuffing their feelings rarely gets them anywhere. And a lifetime of that, as we know, can get us into some trouble. Listen to those stories of people who struggle with addictions or emotional eating or listen to problems that come up in relationships, and a host of hurt can usually be traced back to some kind of stuffing or ignoring of what we feel. So there's incredible wisdom in feelings. Our children's feelings can often tell them things that their cognitive brains don't understand yet. To be honest, I think our feelings have a wisdom and a depth that our rational minds often lack. Let me give you an example. As a ten-year-old, my childhood dog died. We had left her behind with my grandparents on their New Mexico farm when we moved to New York City, and she got sick about a year or so after we left her there. I was told she was sick at about the same time, well, really, at the same time I was told that she'd already been put to sleep. I'd never been to a funeral at that point in my life or lost anyone close to me really close to me, but my response as I remember was immediate. I wanted to fly to New Mexico, I wanted to find a way to retrieve her body, to have her with me, to bury her, at least to get her ashes, to pay some homage to her. And, and let's be clear, that was an incredibly inconvenient wish. It was expensive, to say the very least, and it wasn't a wish my family could indulge. But was the urge I had to do all the rituals of goodbye as a child, that urge, was it silly and sentimental? Was it childish? Was it frivolous? It wasn't one that anyone had anticipated, but was it strange? I don't think so, though I felt, I think, a little bit that way then. Now, years into life and ministry, thinking back on that moment of deep feeling, I think... I think that reaction was one of the most tender and gorgeous seeds of reverence for life that I knew previously. I think it was evidence, actually, of a heart that had this gorgeous urge to honor life and its loss, all loss. I think, like so many of our childhood urges and feelings, There was huge wisdom there that there's always wisdom in those places of deep feeling. And so there's danger in the forgetting of those feelings or talking ourselves out of them as part of growing up. For so many reasons, As he knew, Fred Rogers was right to listen to children, to see them as they were, to show them how to trust listening and to love themselves. In June of 2018, the Atlantic Monthly published an article by Maxwell King, an article about Fred Rogers and the way he talked to children. King wrote about how Mr. Rogers insisted that every word, whether spoken by a person or a puppet, was scrutinized closely. Hedda Sharapin, who was one of the members of the staff at Fred Rogers Production Company, shared once how Rogers had stopped the taping of a show when a cast member told the puppet, Henrietta Pussycat, not to cry. He stopped it because he said the show would never suggest to children that they not cry. Feelings were feelings, he would say. It's what we do with them that's important. And if all those complicated feelings were acceptable, and the gorgeous, delightful ones too, and if kids were worth listening to and being seen, well, then they'd know they were loved in the most authentic and authenticating way. When asked in an interview with Charlie Rose about how many children he thought he'd influenced, Fred Rogers said he thought we got too caught up in numbers. If there was only one child I helped, he answered, it would be enough. The one who matters, he said, is always the one who's right in front of you. And when you saw him talk into the camera or talk to one of his guests, you knew he meant it. In his eyes, you were seen, you were deeply listened to, which is to say, you were loved. And the most important part of being alive, he thought, was to love, to learn to love others and trust in all of it. How are you feeling? The question and the listened to answer, It wasn't, it isn't perfunctory. It didn't matter what age you were or are. It was a central act of love. And all the kids in the neighborhood
1: needed it. One of my spiritual counselors these days is a small gray schnauzer named Pluto who lives somewhere in Canada. Pluto is making a lot of videos to help us two-leggeds as he calls us through COVID times. When I'm feeling particularly shut down or overwhelmed, anxious and not particularly perky, I turn to him for guidance in one of his recent Hump Day, meaning Wednesday, videos, he offered this homily. Seated on his couch, wearing a fetching pink collar, his dark gray, silver, blue eyes peered into my soul, and he said this. Hi, friends. Pluto here. I know it's been, a, it's been hard these days trying to digest a lot of what's going on. It fills our brains with worry, among other feelings. What we need to do is get the worry balls out. No one likes having that stuck throat in, their feel, stuck in your throat feeling or feeling your heart race around, but not in that whooshy way, but that bang, bang, bang. Maybe what you can do with all those worries is make yourself a, a worry wall. Pick one wall in your house. Don't worry if you just painted it with a fancy Benjamin Moore wind's breath white or a shaker beige. Now go get your crayons and your markers and maybe some old lipsticks, maybe some finger paints and and start getting your thoughts out on the wall. Remember, it's just a wall. When we paint out our mood murals, we see the words and we can start, and when we can see them, we can feel less scared. And then you can sit down with your family or maybe zoom in with a friend and and talk about those words on your worry wall. And pretty soon when you talk it out, let the pent up air of those words out and get the feelings behind them the worry feelings kind of deflate, and you have more room inside, and maybe some happy words will bubble up. And we get through it all. We can go back to the Benjamin Moore store and buy some Dorset gold or sagebrook sage and paint all those worries over. And just in case there's someone in your house who doesn't really want them having the wall painted, you can try a notebook and put all your danger doodles inside of it. Remember friends, high hands and open heart and over the hump we go, bless you, Pluto. Now, back in reality, Wendy has yet to agree to have a worry wall. She likes how the wind's breath white looks in our living room. So I've contented myself with a notebook for all my danger doodles. But to be honest, all this locked down and being shut in, closed off from people that I love and from things that bring me joy makes me pine for a place like Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, where we can share what's bubbling up in our hearts or what's weighing us down. A place where we can feel heard and can help one another. I mean, let's be serious. Mr. Rogers just wasn't talking to kids. He had a message for all of us. The same writer, Tom Jeannot, that Vanessa mentioned, whose story was adapted for the movie It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, tells this story about Mr. Rogers. He says, when I first visited the neighborhood 21 years ago, one of his in-house writers, the same Hedda Sherapan, told what had happened when he'd enlisted her to write a manual to teach doctors how to talk to children. She worked hard on it, using all her education and experience in the field of child development. But when she handed him her opening, he crossed out what she had written and replaced it with six words. You were a child once, too. Growing up, for many of us, meant putting our feelings on hold, setting them aside while we went about the real work of becoming an adult, We forgot at times what it was like to be a child and to have feelings and want to express them with our words or our crayons or maybe a temper tango. Maybe time for our feelings or others' feelings became a a chore or a risk, possibly something taboo. Over time, many of us forgot how to make time to listen and even to look deep within What Fred Rogers hoped to do was to help us imagine a place, a a public space, a place full of strangers transformed by love and kindness into something like, like a neighborhood where everyone was welcome. It's funny, that does remind me of a place I know. You know, our church sounds a lot like Fred Rogers' neighborhood. So we could use some more puppets. Maybe when we gather again, we can have a button-down sweaters and soft-worn sneakers Sunday. Take a break from our busy, busy, rush-rush, adulting ways and cozy up with one another. After being shut in and shut down, we could really use a kind, listening ear. It's like Pluto says, we are all going to need a little lifting up when things are said and done and high hands and open heart. Over in a sprawling suburb of podcast land, I recently stopped in to visit with Brene Brown, who you may know about her research in vulnerability. She has a new show called Unlocking Us, a title she came up with before we went into lockdown. On a recent show, she interviewed Dr. Mark Brackett, a research psychologist and director of the Yale Center for Emotional Intelligence. Dr. Brackett had a real Fred Rogers in his life, his beloved Uncle Marvin. Unlike Dr. Brackett's parents who were emotionally unavailable, Uncle Marvin was there for him. He made time to listen, to coach, and to lift him up when he felt down. With Uncle Marvin's help, he is a teacher, Dr. Brackett created a curriculum to help us better understand our emotions and and name our feelings and explore the stories behind them. Here's a quick step-by-step takeaway from Dr. Brackett's toolbooks. One, recognize. When you experience strong feelings, pay attention to what's going on and happening in your body. Notice what stories come up around those feelings. Two, understand. Understand. Think about the causes and consequences of those feelings. Listen for the themes and the patterns. Look for the connections. Three, label. Describe the emotion or feeling. Get as granular as you can. Four, express. Permit yourself to express those feelings through writing or art making, maybe meditation. Share what you're feeling with someone that you trust. Just find a way to get them out. Mood mural, anyone? Number five, regulate. Take care of yourself when your emotions feel like they are taking over. Pause. Breathe. And make space. If you're wondering, that's an acronym RULER. Recognize, understand, label, express, regulate. Remember, says Dr. Brackett, give yourself permission to feel. There are no bad feelings, feel them all. I imagined Dan- Fred Rogers and his dear puppet Daniel would offer the same sage advice. I'm sure the full sisters hope and joy would too. In this time of feeling shut in and shut out, our hearts possibly in lockdown Please remember to make room for your feelings. Seek out a safe neighbor. Draw your doodle dangers. Throw some paint at that worry wall. And remember, you were a child once too. As we look forward to sweater and sneaker day, think about the person who lifted you up when you were feeling down. Use this time to imagine yourself as an Uncle Marvin or a Fred Rogers for someone you love. It is bound to make you feel good. And feeling good these days is just what we need.
0: Thanks for listening to this podcast of the First Unitarian Universalist Society of San Francisco Sunday Morning Worship Service. For more information or downloads of previous audio services, go to uusf.org. Ниже свудимся, как ослабим
1: Бог, Господа же Бога нашего того, о святой Бог.